You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings-Buffalo Bills Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad at U.S. Bank Stadium where, Judd, I am still in shock at what we witnessed on this day. One of the worst losses in Minnesota Vikings history. One that none of us could have possibly seen coming when you go top to bottom for the rosters when you looked at how they had played through the first two weeks the state of the franchise and the goals of each franchise for this year the quarterbacks one a rookie the other an 84 million dollar free agent signee you would have never expected the buffalo bills to beat the vikings i wouldn't have been shocked judd if the vikings had been given a run for their money because maybe they doubted the bills but here at this stadium, in this place where they dominate so often, this one is mind-blowing, Judd. I don't even know where to start with the ineptitude of performance that we saw today, other than to say that ordinarily when I see a Vikings performance like this, which is basically a, a complete no-show, I can always say, oh, yeah, they quit, and here's why. They're mad at the head coach, or the season's gone awry. You know, there have been... There have been instances like this before where I've seen this organization and franchise play terrible games, but ultimately you can eventually explain it. And the only thing I could think of is maybe someday in the coming weeks something will pop that will explain this. But this was, and I'm not saying that they had any reason to quit, but this was a game where they just didn't show up. I mean, there was nothing about this game that's redeeming. There's nothing about this performance that you can go back and look at, and I think historically it's going to go down as one of the biggest upsets considering that the last line I saw was Vikings by 16.5 points over the Woeful Bills as one of the biggest upsets in the history of this league. So here's where it baffles me the most. It's not that bad things happened early in the game and that they got down by a couple scores because if you look at each individual event, it's all kind of a bad bounce type of thing. I mean, they get a penalty that you never know when penalties are going to be called by the league anymore. Uh, they had sacked Josh Allen on third down that would have ended the Bills' drive, but Linval Joseph gets enough helmet-to-helmet to get that penalty, and then they drive down the field and score. on um, Something breaks down, and Josh Allen runs in for a touchdown. Okay, you're down 7 nothing, no big deal. You strip sack, you fumble. Okay, they kick a field goal, it's 
Ten nothing. All right, all right. You're still okay because it's the woeful Bills who had given up 78 points the first two games, and even after the second strip sack, even when they're down 17 nothing, you and I are sitting there going, "There's a lot of game left to be played." With an offense that put up 22 points in a quarter last week with Kirk Cousins slinging it around, all they have to do is just pull it together a little bit, play the long game here, and they will still win this football game. And where I was really surprised today was that it never happened. They never got it together. They were never able to work the ball down the field, to score a touchdown, to just get any sort of energy back in this building to get rolling again because the defense overall, as bad as some of the moments were, everything was either like a weird penalty, special teams, or offense-induced that they gave up the points for the most part, aside from a couple big plays. But mostly it was... The fact that the offense could not respond at all against a defense that had given up 128 quarterback rating in the first two weeks to Joe Flacco and Phillip Rivers. Yeah, the offense was terrible. Cousins was awful. Thielen was, you know, statistically, when you go back and look at this box score, it's not going to reflect how god-awful this performance offensively truly was. I saw, Collar, that the, the Vikings officially finished with 21 first downs, but I believe the statistic was in the opening half they had two. Everything about this game, though, was embarrassing. And there was – there was, here's the problem. There was not an ounce of pride today. Like, there was never that moment. Because I always thought, okay, you got off to a rough start. Well, good teams get off to bad starts. They even get off to bad starts against teams like the Bills, and they eventually come back. But there wasn't an ounce of pride, and I thought it was very interesting that in his postgame presser, Mike Zimmer came out and said – something along the lines of, I still believe in this team. We're three games in. You shouldn't have to declare that. Like, when you have to declare that, there's trouble. So there was nothing about this this brutal performance that you look back and be like, well, yeah, but you had some bad luck here or there. A few bounces didn't go your way, and certainly a few penalties went against you, but some of those penalties were dumb, and there were just so many mistakes made. And I wonder now, in retrospect, because the – Fourth quarter comeback in Green Bay was impressive. 22 points in, in a quarter on the road is impressive. And the kicker screwed them. I mean, if the kicker makes one of three field goals, they go into Green Bay, have this miraculous comeback, and win that game. I wonder, though, if there were things that we didn't pay attention to. Missed tackles by the defense. Um, Cousins' first half. Just you don't, you don't just suddenly, I don't think, have a performance this bad. Like, there are things that lead up to this performance. And I wonder if, in retrospect, we were ignoring some telltale signs. Because this wasn't just an off game. This was the only way that, and I wouldn't excuse it, but the only way that I might be able to see this game is if this had been the Thursday night game. And you're like, okay, you won a game on Sunday. You're tired. You essentially had one day of practice. Well, hell, you traveled out west and played the Rams. They're good. And you had a dog of a game. I might be able to say I at least somewhat get that. There's nothing that I saw about this team or about what led up to this game that gave me any sign that this type of absolute complete dog performance was coming. So I I could say this about, at least from the offensive side, that there were long stretches in the first two games where this offense did not do anything that against the San Francisco 49ers, they had a chance to close them out with one more score, and Kirk Cousins went 0-7 for in the fourth quarter and didn't move the ball at all and kept stopping the clock, and he got bailed out by Jimmy Garoppolo throwing picks. And then in week two, we end up with 425 yards 
throwing by Cousins. And this is just how weird NFL stats can be. But in the first three quarters, they had seven points in that game. And they're down by 13 to Green Bay, and they're able to come back. But that's three quarters right there where you basically did nothing on offense. And there's another quarter before that. Uh, in the fourth quarter against Green Bay where they did nothing on offense and then they come out here today against a defense that does have some talent I mean I'll say Jerry Hughes is a great player like the guy who was beating Riley Reef over and over again today he is a great player he's not just some guy he's a consistent great pass rusher off the edge so you knew that he was going to make some impact in this game just by how good he is there but the fact that they couldn't get the ball out on time, that Kirk Cousins repeatedly had hitches in his game. And you know what, Jed? We've talked about this quite a bit, that when this team can't run the ball and they can't do play action because Kirk Cousins is down in the game, that takes away a major weapon of his that he has had a lot of success on throughout his career. Play action could not use that in most of this game. And this is the thing that would concern you when you were looking at Kirk Cousins is when you get down in a game and you don't have that there for you, how well can he perform over a stretch to get you back in it? This was the reason that they got Kirk Cousins was they believed if the defense wasn't perfect and bounces didn't go their way, that they could compete. And today they couldn't compete against the Buffalo Bills, who I would guess end this season with probably like four wins. And this is going to be one of them. And you know how they bounce back from this is really going to tell us about whether it's panic time or not. Because Kyle Rudolph pointed out that you know there are bad losses that happen within a season to almost every competing team. You can go back and find one that this team had other ones in the past. Even against uh, in 2015 against San Francisco, complete egg laid to a bad team, and they end up going to the playoffs and winning the division that year. Right. Right. So how you bounce back will tell us how much this mattered. The issue, though, is in almost every one of the cases that we're going to talk about with previous bad Viking defeats, you can explain it. Like the San Francisco game was immediately explainable. The morons took a young quarterback into a game and then became the first team in history to tailor a game plan for a geriatric running back. Like there's always an explanation for I get it, I get it, I get it. And this one, I don't get. Um, And to your point today... Cook didn't play, but this team generated 14 yards rushing. And I will tell you this. There's a lot about this game that shocks me, and I didn't see coming. But one thing that's coming to, to fruition, and one thing that you could, and we talked about this, you could not do with Cousins, who fumbled and lost those on the first two drives that the Vikings had, and that turned into 10 Bills points. One thing you could not do was go into the season with an offensive line this bad. Mm-hmm. Riley Reef was had a bad day today. And this offensive line is just not good. And they can't sufficiently protect the quarterback. And I don't even know if they are are that competent consistently in their ability to run block. But that's one thing that we've been talking about since the draft when we said you need to draft a guard. And, you know, Zim took that obligatory week one shot. Well, yeah, Mike Hughes pretty good, huh? I know a lot of people wanted to take the the old lineman, but we didn't. Well, one thing that I have consistently seen is the Vikings are getting what they deserve from this offensive line when they did not take – what would have been essentially one, maybe two more steps to improve that, and it's going to bite them in the butt. And as we've talked about a ton, it's especially going to bite them in the butt with a quarterback who, and I don't know why, some guys feel pressure and some guys don't. Kirk Cousins doesn't. This um, 
is a debate or a thing we're going to be talking about all year, and we knew it on draft night of not taking the offensive lineman, but one consistent thing, because we saw Cousins throw for a bunch of yards at the end of the game against Green Bay. So the passing has been inconsistent. Sometimes it's been real good. Today it was not real good. But the consistent through three games, they can't run. They can't block anybody up front. And every time, whoever is getting the ball. Delvin Cook is the league leader heading into this game that he didn't play, but he was the league leader through two weeks of broken tackles, and the guy's averaging less than four yards a carry. That tells you everything about how he's getting hit as soon as he gets the ball. Latavius Murray is not Delvin Cook, so he's not going to be able to make your run game look manageable. He's going to get shut down, and that's exactly what happened to Latavius Murray today because they cannot run the ball at all. And when you have a quarterback that requires a running game to set up his play action passing game and that's the whole uh that's where your entire offense predicates from Mm -hmm. you're going to have to have a lot better blocking up front so and and i'm you know look will hernandez might be a hall of famer he might be a bust i have no idea but when you watched that guy on tape at utep he was plowing everybody and it was like this is exactly what they need and to come along come away with no offensive lineman improvement in the offseason whatsoever you get one guy hurt for the season, and all of a sudden they can't throw screen passes, they can't run the football at all, and I wonder how much of a factor this is going to be as we go forward because the next two weeks you're facing off with better defenses than this one and by a lot. Mm-hmm. The Rams have a great defense, re- really great, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl in part because of their great defense last year. and now On the road, too. On the, yes, and now it feels like... There is a chance because of this debauchery that they could go into week six with a one, three and one record potentially. So what all the things that went wrong today, all the things that went wrong against the Packers, especially on defense, leaving tight ends wide open with nobody around them, miscommunications, issues with the nickel cornerback position. All that stuff is going to have to solve itself pretty darn quickly, like in three days. Yeah, and it's going to be – and listen, I perhaps they come back against the, the Rams on Thursday and play an inspired game. But there are, a lot, there are a lot of things that were first guessed that didn't make sense that are going to bite this team. And, and the fact that you paid $84 million guaranteed to a quarterback over three years to get him here and then that you didn't give him the ultimate offensive line protection when, by the way, he needs it and for, and for your run game as well – Makes little sense. and But this is – the Vikings can say what they want about still believing in themselves, and they can say that they have to turn the page and that they're glad. You know, the, the, theme, the theme from Zim, I think, that he gave to, to the players was, tell them that you're glad that you play on Thursday. Quick turnaround, and we can forget this one. But if this one, if you're a Vikings fan and this one doesn't scare you, you're not paying attention. Oh, yes. Because there's oh, way yes. too many things from this game that went wrong. And listen – it's still Buffalo at home. Buffalo at home. So I don't care how much you're down by, you got to start to chip and come back. And they never did. I mean, their touchdown was a joke because it came with, what, like 427 left or something? Right. So the touchdown, the points they got were, were nothing. So there was no point in time here that you said to yourself, okay, here it comes. Never. Not one second collar, and that, and that has to be concerning because ultimately what this was was Buffalo kept coming down in the first half and scoring points. And at some point in time, I think my, my reaction was time's just going to run out on this team, and eventually it did. But this one should scare Vikings fans, and this one should scare the team because there are a lot of 
inexplicable things here that you're going to have to try and solve quickly. And, and teams are going to see, by the way, teams are going to watch this tape. And there's exploitable things here, too. Like, I, I don't think it's all one-time bad day stuff. So there's a lot of exploitable problems that this team had today, which teams, to your point, like the Rams, Philadelphia, are going to try and, and attack. And by the way, those teams are superior to the team that the Vikings played today because I still don't care. I think Buffalo's woeful. Well, let me get through a couple of them pretty quickly. Some of the things that you really have to be concerned about going forward that are not just a blip on the radar one-time thing. Uh, One of them is special teams. Again, with the special teams. I I can't explain this, Judd. I mean, to have three weeks to play this poorly in special teams, to have it cost you a game in Green Bay, and then to come back home knowing that your special teams has been so poor and to drop a fumble, to have penalties. It was like if they were going to give up 17 quick points on a couple of fumbles, they needed something to turn them back the other way, and that certainly wasn't it. And you're bringing the ball out, too. You get the ball at the 25-yard line now. I know. If it's a touchback, you get the ball at the 25, and you continue to bring the ball out. That makes no sense. And and the other thing, the other genius thing that this team did was Ryan Quigley might not have been a Ray guy, okay? But he had a. But they got him in 2017. He had a very nice year. He was very effective. He had a bad preseason. Okay, it's a preseason. And they decided to get cute there. The The inability of this team to avoid getting cute baffles me sometimes. It's like Rick's like, well, this is a good thing, but can I improve it? How can I improve it? And I, honest to God, Cutler, think eight out of ten times that that concept, that philosophy bites you right in the ass. You know, with the special teams, it was very much, and we didn't see Dan Bailey today. They would have had to score. Uh, but uh, th- sometimes with, with the Carlson decision and with the new punter who has struggled so far and had one block last week and had a couple of shanks this week, it's very much with Quigley the devil you know. I mean, yes. Quigley has been in the NFL for a long time, and you know what you have there. He's not going to kick it 70 yards, although one bounced today for 70 yards. But he's, right. he's not going to boom it, but he's very accurate with his kicking, and it was a preseason where he struggled. Not a regular season. In the regular season, he was fantastic. So that's a small thing. I mean, the punter is just not something I want to focus a lot on. But when you mention that the outside pressure is killing Kirk Cousins and – how many times last week did he come very close to having a strip sack? And that happened in week one. And then there's a dropped interception against the Packers. There's a dropped pick six against San Francisco. But today, those uh, the, the turnover luck did not happen for Kirk Cousins. I wonder, Judd, if we're going to see Mike Remmers at tackle again because he has really been bad at guard and at, at tackle. Rashad Hill, I think, has been all right, but Hill keeps – he was hurt last week. He's hurt again. every week now. And, yep. and unless they want to let Brian O'Neill play the, the season out here, uh, which I don't think they do, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a, a change there, maybe just because Remmers is better at tackle. Who's the right guard then? Who do you plug in there? Uh, it'd probably be Danny Isadora there, or you move Brett Jones to left guard and Tom Compton to right because Pat Elfline is coming back. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just, I, this is, it's frustrating to watch because essentially they were warned for how, how many months, don't do this, don't do this. And they thought to themselves, no, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And all it took was Easton gets hurt, and now all, all hell breaks loose. And Remmers, the decision to screw around with him baffles me because he was signed to a pretty rich contract. I get that. But he's not a great player. I think he's a nice player. I think he's a nice football player. 
And they and they plugged him in at right tackle. And you know what? He was pretty good there. Solid, yeah. He was solid there. And then they had injuries. And so they moved him, I think, last year when they moved him the first time it was to right guard. And then they decided, let's get really cute. Let's play him at left guard where he's never played in his pro career before. Well, that didn't work out. You know why? Because it was a stupid idea. And so now the, your chance this offseason was to solidify the line and get Mike kicking back to where he belongs at right tackle. So they can do all they want at this point. And... I hope for their sake and the fans' sake it works. But when you, when, when laymen like us basically say, this is a bad idea, don't do it, I don't understand why they don't say, think to themselves, you know what, we think this is a bad idea too. Nickel corner. Um, we have known that Mackenzie Alexander is not a good NFL football player. I think now going on two-plus years that we've known that and been pretty certain of it, especially when Drew Brees took advantage of him in a playoff game and nearly cost uh, the Minnesota Vikings a playoff win, if not for a miracle, because he lost coverage. And he has proven in the last two weeks that there has been very little progress with him. He got benched last week, and then they couldn't bench him this week because Trey Waynes got hurt. And let me circle back. This speaks to the luck factor we talked about all last year, all this offseason, that no one got hurt. Now Everson Griffin was missing from this game. Trey Waynes got hurt, and Terrence Newman retired. And I think this shows you how good at football Terrence Newman and Captain Captain yeah, and Captain Munnerlin before him. I think Those two guys, I think that really yeah. it really shows you how difficult that position is. Mm-hmm. Mike Hughes, I do not think is ready for it, and Mackenzie Alexander, I don't think can do it. So now this defense that is so talented is showing some cracks in the foundation, especially at that position. Yeah, and the thing about Alexander that confuses you is I think he pretty much proved last year that if he's going to play, and I don't even know if he's that good, but let's just say he, he can play. He has to play outside. Like, they keep forcing him in, and it's like they're hoping that he can play inside, and he clearly can't. And if you can't, you just can't. I mean, there's so many complex complexities to that position itself, playing inside and knowing how to read things inside and basically being responsible for two different jobs at once. And so, so this team's insistence on that uh, confuses me a bit. And Mike Hughes might eventually be fine there, but he's not right now. So, yeah, I mean, teams are going to, teams are going to do what we've seen basically on a consistent basis now, which is say, Terrence Newman's gone. Oh, goody, let's exploit that. And they're going to do that week after week after week. And you're either going to make a change or get improvement there. Or guess what? You're going to continue to get burned because roads, roads can cover up for a lot of deficiencies but not all of them and the update on Wayne's post game was that he is going to get an MRI on Monday and that's usually not great news and keep in mind you're playing on Thursday so there might be a very good chance that come Thursday you're starting a defensive backfield at least for the corners and the nickel is going to be Mike Hughes on the outside Rhodes on the outside McKenzie on the inside and I think Jared Goff and uh, Sean McVay are probably going to like that a lot. This kind of leaves me, Judd, asking whether they can go one and one in the next two games after having seen this That's and fair. what happened in Green Bay. And now I'm not certain how good Green Bay is after they lost today in pretty bad fashion in Washington, D.C. That might be the only saving grace at this moment is, 
We'll see what happens in the Chicago Bears game we're watching right now. But it's 14 nothing. The Bears are losing to Arizona, who might be the worst the team division in the league might now. be much worse than right. we originally prognosticated. Right, and the, the Lions do not look anything special to me after their first two weeks. It's very hard to figure out where this is going. But if Rodgers is playing injured and that defense still with the Packers is not a whole lot better, this – Division could go from where we thought it would be a couple teams at 12 and 4, 11 and 5, or something like that, to everyone's fighting to get 9 and 7. I think that that is sort of the saving grace for them at the moment. But the question that you have to be asking is how can you split with the Rams and the Eagles to get into that second half of the season? And after a performance like this, how are you supposed to believe that they can split with the Rams and the Eagles on the road? I don't think you are. I think if you I think if you take your uh, purple colored glasses off completely as fans and you look at these two games and you look at what you have seen from this team defensively and and offensively for the first portion of the Green Bay game and this I think if you if you somehow either beat the Rams or Eagles you should be overjoyed because realistically I don't see it right now and you know keep in mind too this defense at various times since the second half of that Saints playoff game has been gashed at times. Like, it's not, it's not oh, man, that's too bad. It's like, whoa, what happened there? And, and I do think, I think that there's a very good chance that, that in the final two playoff games, Terrence decided, you know what, I'm finally too old. Like, I can do it mentally, but I'm just finally too old, and I'm not going to put myself through the position of potentially being embarrassed. The problem is that either the warning didn't come quick enough to the Vikings or so, but you can't in this league. Now, I don't think that you can be um, a standout team unless you have at least three corners who are good mm-hmm. to very good. And right now this team doesn't, and that's going to be a huge problem. But yeah, you got Jared Goff on Thursday. You got a break after that, but Carson Wentz potentially after that. So I think asking for a split there, is actually asking quite a bit, Matthew. Yeah, it's quick how things change from what you thought they were going to be. I mean, well, of course, none of us thought that they were going to lose this game for one, but I even mean from the off season where you looked at this team with Terrence Newman on it and said, boy, this cornerback depth is fantastic for this team. Look at all of these good players. And then Newman goes, and you're right. If now you go back to the second half of New Orleans as the starting point, this defense hasn't really been good. I mean, they weren't even that good against San Francisco. It's just that Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball to them a couple times. They made some big plays in that game, but they also allowed some big plays in that game. And that was uncharacteristic, and we were a little surprised by that. And then think about Aaron Rodgers moving the ball down into field goal position, giving his team a a potential chance to win that Green Bay ultimately missed. But there have been big chunk plays that they've given up. getting gashed, for sure. Yeah, where I just did not see this from them last year, and maybe part of it was just the schedule that they played, the quarterbacks that were out last year, it's, but this is not a number one defense right now. Yeah, and it's coverage breakdowns too, right? Yeah, like it it's looks just like complete. It, it, it's these baffling complete breakdowns. I mean, there, there was a point I'm sure that when when we were doing the podcast last year, as things were going well, where we marveled at how cohesive the defense looked, mm-hmm. and now I don't know. Take your pick. We're seeing we're seeing missed tackles way too much. I think they had eight missed in Green Bay, but we're also seeing five or six plays, it feels like, a game where there's just these massive breakdowns. And, okay, if it's Rodgers or Breeze, you might say, well, that's a really good QB. Right. But, you know, a rookie, Allen, comes in here today and does the same thing, and kudos to the kid. He played well, but that shouldn't happen. 
Like, you can't just say, well, we had five or six breakdowns against Josh Allen. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, too, that the previous two teams they faced made Josh Allen look very much like a rookie, and that was my expectation for today, that he might be a great quarterback down the road. You see what an athlete he is. You see the, the big arm. I'm still not sold that you know he can actually fulfill the potential that he has or that he's got a low percentage chance to do that, but what you saw was him having – big gains big plays that were just handed to him i yep. mean the the pass to chris ivory mackenzie alexander and eric hendricks couldn't figure out who to cover and then the, the guy runs for 50 of the 55 yards and and the the tight end touchdown is wide open anybody could throw that ball so i didn't even think josh allen did a whole lot that made you like wow this rookie quarterback's going to take over the league it was I can't believe that you handed him this stuff. I mean, they even pressured him. They sacked him. There were a he few... broke off runs as well. Like yeah, this, did, yeah. this defense looked to me like a shell of the defense that we saw so uh, frequently throughout 2017, at least during the course of that year. Yeah. Because there's just so, there were so many plays to be had, and to his credit, he made them. But that's not, that's not something where you watch. That's something where every – Offensive coordinator in this league is going to sit down and say, hold on a second here. These guys can be had. Yep. A year yep. ago, I think they said, oh, my God, how are we going to beat these guys? Yep. But if, you know, Sean McVay is going to sit down with this tape tonight, probably after the Rams play the Chargers, and he's going to be like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. This does not look anything like the defense I faced at U.S. Bank Stadium in 2017. It is possible that Doug Peterson laid out some of the blueprint, and now yeah. Mike Zimmer has to adjust while also keeping this team on point because we've seen how one or two losses can impact them in a win-now year where there's lots of pressure and anxiety around the team that we saw. We have seen this before 2016, and it was really funny to listen to Kyle Rudolph say, you know, we, we've done this once a year. No, it wasn't once a year in 2016. You melted down in Chicago, and you melted down in Indianapolis when, or here against Indianapolis. Right. Two wins that should have been easy. And you it make playoffs, right? It wasn't yeah. once. Yeah. It, it well, was not and, just one and, time. And this happens sometimes to this team. And don't forget, too, in 16, that meltdown was gradual but very complete. Yeah. Like, that was not if, – if they had – listen, if it, in 16 they're 5-0, and and they go and play Philadelphia there, and they have a bad game. That's the type of game where you're like, okay, that's a bad game. Bounce back now. And they just completely yep. self-destructed, including the head coach as well. So that's why I'm curious about, about this team. I'm curious about this team because besides the, the season-ending loss in the NFC title game last year, I don't recall a loss where you said, this is real trouble. Today yep. was trouble. Today was on every level from – actual lack of execution to personnel to how guys like held themselves yep. during the game. There was nothing about this game where I, I didn't say this is very troubling and, and this, this could very well be a long-term problem. So we knew that there would be more trepidation this year than last year. That was the easiest thing in the world to predict the injuries, the schedule, all those things. And I think what we talked about quite a few times with Kirk cousins is that his leadership abilities would be tested this year early probably because of the difficulty of the first five games on the schedule and i and i and that's we who, laughed at the buffalo game i know i know we didn't even talk about it but that but that is what we're looking at now we are looking at 
Can Kirk Cousins, this is all on him. To me, I know the defense hasn't been great, but I look at these two games going forward as this is on Kirk Cousins. He did not do enough today at all to keep them in this game and gave the opposing team 10 free points that put them from behind from the very beginning on two strip sacks. Yep. So now, can he win back the locker room after this, where they've got to be looking at him and saying, yep. how much of this is on you for today? Well, you take him, because I'm going to take the head coach. Okay. I'm very curious. Mike Zimmer, There's, I respect him a lot, actually, and I think he's good. But in the face of adversity, there are times where he fights it. Like, he's not real good about being like, okay, let's forget about that one. I think he says that, but I think – but there there seems to have been – when games have turned as bad as today's did, Matthew, there seems to be a stench about it that tends to linger with this team. And I am very curious to see if the head coach can turn the page completely. And he's going to have to do it by Thursday now. I mean, they're basically going to have, what, one practice? Yep. So you take Cousins. My big question is – especially in light of how wrong things went in 2016, and especially in, in light of, yes, Bradford got hurt in the opening game of last year, but defensively, a lot of fortune, right? So I, so the head coach right now is facing some real adversity. I want to see how he handles that, and probably most importantly, what he now conveys to his players. Because if I was on that 16 team, I think I'm sitting there going, all right, that's happened at 16. Yep. Are you going to melt down again? Are you going to be a petulant child, or are you going to be our coach? So you take Cousins. I'll take Zimmer. All right. And we will take you to next week in Los Angeles. Where Lord, I will be. I, yeah, I'll be there. You know what? I always get mistaken for Bradley Cooper. All right. I think what you should do, <laughs> go Fonzie, jump the shark out there. Actually try and jump, jump a try shark. Try and jump a shark out there. Fonzie I, did it, and it, it was a two-parter. I don't go in the ocean. What fun is that? I mean, I wouldn't I mean, either, but I, I go why to the beach and I watch people in the ocean. I do not go in the ocean. Afraid of sharks? No. Because I, I want you to jump the maybe, shark. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'll see if I can find one to jump All on right. land. All right. So, so you're going to go to the beach? Going to a Dodger game? Uh, maybe. Are they at home? Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. Not sure of that. And go to a taping of some show, too. Yes, I will do that. All okay. Right, cool. All right. Bye. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to Purple Podcast. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.